25. Not practicable. Wash the body with cold water, and keep scrupulously clean. The reaction caused by cold water, is most desirable. Rub the body dry with a rough towel. Drink a good draft of cold water. 8. Exercise. Get 15 minutes brisk walk, if possible before breakfast. If any sense of faintness exists, eat a crust of bread, or biscuit. Be regular in your meals, and do not fear to make a hearty breakfast. This lays a good foundation for the day. Take daily good, but not violent exercise. Walk until you can distinctly feel the tendency to perspiration. This will keep the pores of the skin open and in healthy condition. 9. Medicines. Take the medicines, if used, regularly and carefully. Bromide of potassium is a most valuable remedy in allaying lustful and heated passions and appetites, unless there is actual venereal disease. Medicine should be very little resorted to. 10. Avoid the streets at night. Beware of corrupt companions. Fast young men and women should be shunned everywhere. Cultivate a taste for good reading and evening studies. Home life with its gentle restraints, pure friendships, and healthful discipline, should be highly valued. There is no liberty like that of a well-regulated home. To large numbers of young men in business houses, home life is impracticable. 11. Be of good cheer and courage. Recovery will be gradual, and not sudden. Vital force is developed slowly from within. The object aimed at by medicine and counsel, is to aid and increase nervous and physical vigor, and give tone to the demoralized system. Do not pay the slightest heed to the exaggerated statements of the wretched quack doctors, who advertise everywhere. Avoid them as you would a pestilence, their great object island through exciting your fears, to get you into their clutches, in order to oppress you with heavy and unjust payments. Be careful, not to indulge in fancies, or morbid thoughts and feelings. Be hopeful, and play the part of a man determined to overcome, manhood wrecked and rescued. 1. The noblest functions of manhood. The noblest functions of manhood are brought into action in the office of the parent. It is here that man assumes the prerogative of a god and becomes a creator. How essential that every function of his physical system should be perfect, and every faculty of his mind free from that which would degrade, yet how many drag their purity through the filth of masturbation revel in the orgies of the debauchee, and worship at the shrine of the prostitute, until, like a tree blighted by the livid lightning, they stand with all their outward form of men, but without life, Two threshold of honor, think of a man like that, in whom the passions and vices have burned themselves out, putting on the airs of a saint and claiming to have reformed, I, reformed, when there is no longer sweetness in the indulgence of lust, think of such loathsome bestiality, dragging its slimy body across the threshold of honor and nobility and asking a pure woman, with the love light of heaven in her eyes, to pass her days with him, to accept him as her lord, to be satisfied with the burned out, shriveled forces of manhood left, to sacrifice her purity that he may be redeemed, and to respect in a husband what she would despise in the brute. 3. Stop. If you are, then, on the highway to this state of degradation, stop. If already you have sounded the depths of lost manhood, then turn, and from the fountain of life regain your power, before you perpetrate the terrible crime of marriage, thus wrecking a woman's life and perhaps bringing into the world children who will live only to suffer and curse the day on which they were born and the father who begot them. 4. Sexual impotency. Sexual impotency means sexual starvation, and drives many wives to ruin, while a similar lack among wives drives husbands to libertinism. 
Nothing so enhances the happiness of married couples as this full, life-abounding, sexual vigor in the husband, thoroughly reciprocated by the wife, yet completely controlled by both. 5. Two classes of sufferers. There are two classes of sufferers. First, those who have only practiced self-abuse and are suffering from emissions. Second, those who by overindulgence in marital relations, or by dissipation with women, have ruined their forces. 6. The remedy. For self-abuse, when the young man has practiced self-abuse for some time, he finds, upon quitting the habit, that he has nightly emissions. He becomes alarmed, reads every sensational advertisement in the papers, and at once comes to the conclusion that he must take something. Drugs are not necessary. 7. Stop the cause. The one thing needful, above all others, is to stop the cause. I have found that young men are invariably mistaken as to what is the cause. When asked as to the first cause of their trouble, they invariably say it was self-abuse, etc. But it is not. It is the thought. This precedes the handling, and, like every other cause, must be removed in order to have right results. 8. Stop the thought. But remember, stop the thought. You must not look after every woman with lustful thoughts, nor go courting girls who will allow you to hug, caress and kiss them, thus rousing your passions almost to a climax. Do not keep the company of those whose only conversation is of a lewd and depraved character, but keep the company of those ladies who awaken your higher sentiments and nobler impulses, who appeal to the intellect and rouse your aspiration, in whose presence you would no more feel your passions aroused than in the presence of your own mother. Nine. You will get well. Remember you will get well. Don't fear. Fear destroys strength and therefore increases the trouble. Many get downhearted, discouraged, despairing the very worst thing that can happen, doing as much harm, and in many cases more, than their former dissipation. Brooding kills, hope enlivens, dancing with joy that the savior of knowledge has vanquished the death-dealing ignorance of the past that the glorious strength of manhood has awakened and cast from you forever the grinning skeleton of vice. Be your better self, proud that your thoughts in the daytime are as pure as you could wish your dreams to be at night. 10. Helps. Do not use tobacco or liquor. They inflame the passions and irritate the nervous system, they only gratify base appetites and never arouse the higher feelings. Highly spiced food should be eschewed, not chewed. Meat should be eaten sparingly, and never at the last meal. 11. Don't eat too much. If not engaged in hard physical labor, try eating two meals a day. Never neglect the calls of nature, and if possible have a passage from the bowels every night before retiring. When this is not done the feces often drop into the rectum during sleep, producing heat which extends to the sexual organs, causing the lascivious dreams and emission. This will be noticed especially in the morning. When the feces usually distend the rectum and the person nearly always awakes with sexual passions aroused, if necessary, use injections into the rectum of from 1 to 2 quarts of water, blood heat, 2 or 3 times a week. Be sure to keep clean and see to it that no matter collects under the foreskin. Wash off the organ every night and take a quick, cold hand bath every morning. Have something to do. Never be idle. Idleness always worships at the shrine of passion. 12. The worst time of all. Many are ruined by allowing their thoughts to run right in the morning, owing to the passions being roused as stated above. The young man lies half awake and half dozing, rousing his passions and reveling in lascivious thought for hours perhaps, thus completely sapping the fountains of purity, establishing habits of vice that will bind him with iron bands, 
and doing his physical system more injury than if he had practiced self-abuse, and had the omission in a few minutes, jump out of bed at once on waking, and never allow the thought to master you. 13. A hand bath. A hand bath in cold water every morning will diminish those rampant sexual cravings, that crazy, burning, lustful desire so sensualizing to men by millions, lessen prostitution by toning down that passion which alone patronizes it, and relieve wives by the millions of those excessive conjugal demands which ruin their sexual health, besides souring their tempers, and then demanding millions of money for resultant doctor bills. 14. Will get well. Feel no more concern about yourself. Say to yourself, I shall and will get well under this treatment, as you certainly will. Pluck is half the battle. Mind acts and reads directly on the sexual organs. Determining to get well gets you well, whilst all fear that you will become worse makes you worse. All worrying over your case as if it were hopeless. All moody and despondent feelings. Tear the life right out of these organs, whilst hopefulness puts new life into them. The curse and consequence of secret diseases. 1. The sins of the fathers are visited on the children. If persons who contract secret diseases were the only sufferers, there would be less pity and less concern manifested by the public and medical profession. 2. There are many secret diseases which leave an hereditary taint, and innocent children and grandchildren are compelled to suffer as well as those who committed the immoral act. 3. Gonorrhea clap is liable to leave the parts sensitive and irritable, and the miseries of spermatoria, impotence, chronic rheumatism, stricture and other serious ailments may follow. 4. Syphilis pox. Statistics prove that over 30% of the children born alive perish within the first year. Outside of this frightful mortality, how many children are born? Inheriting eruptions of the skin, foul serration swelling of the bones, weak eyes or blindness, scrofula, idiocy, stunted growth, and finally insanity, all on account of the father's early vices. The weaknesses and afflictions of parents are by natural laws visited upon their children. 5. The mother often takes the disease from her husband, and she becomes an innocent sufferer to the dreaded disease. However, some other name generally is applied to the disease, and with perfect confidence in her husband she suffers pain all her life. Ignorant of the true cause, her children have diseases of the eyes, skin, glands and bones, and the doctor will apply the term scrofula when the result is nothing more or less than inherited syphilis. Let every man remember, the vengeance to a vital law knows only justice, not mercy, and a single moment of illicit pleasure will bring many curses upon him, and drain out the life of his innocent children, and bring a double burden of disease and sorrow to his wife. 6. If any man who has been once diseased is determined to marry, he should have his constitution tested thoroughly and see that every seed of the malady in the system has been destroyed. He should bathe daily in natural sulfur waters, as, for instance, the hot springs in Arkansas, or the sulfur springs in Florida, or those springs known as specific remedies for syphilic diseases. As long as the eruptions on the skin appear by bathing in sulfur water there is danger, and if the eruptions cease and do not appear, it is very fair evidence that the disease has left the system, yet it is not an infallible test. 7. How many bright and intelligent young men have met their doom and blighted the innocent lives of others, all on account of the secret follies and vices of men? 8. Protection. Girls, you, who are too poor and too honest to disguise aught in your character, with your sweet soul shining through every act of your lives, beware of the men who smile upon you, 
study human nature, and try and select a virtuous companion. 10. Syphilitic poison and eradicable. Many of our best and ablest physicians assert that syphilitic poison, once infected, there can be no total disinfection during life, some of the virus remains in the system, though it may seem latent. Boards of state charities in discussing the causes of the existence of whole classes of defectives hold to the opinion given above. The Massachusetts Board in its report has these strong words on the subject, the worst is that, though years may have passed since its active stage, it permeates the very seed of life and causes strange affections or abnormalities in the offspring, or it tends to lessen their vital force, to disturb or to repress their growth, to lower their standard of mental and bodily vigor, and to render life puny and short. 11. A serpent's tooth. The direct blood poisoning, caused by the absorption into the system of the virus syphilis is more hideous and terrible in its effect than that of a serpent's tooth. This may kill outright, and there is an end, but that stinless and painless, slowly and surely permeates and vitiates the whole system of which it becomes part and parcel, like myriads of trichini, and can never be utterly cast out, even by salivation. Woe to the family and to the people in whose veins the poison courses. It would seem that nothing could end the curse except utter extermination, that, however, would imply a purpose of eternal vengeance, involving the innocent with the guilty. This disease compared with smallpox is as an ulcer upon a finger to an ulcer in the vitals. Smallpox does not vitiate the blood of a people, this disease does. Its existence in a primary form implies moral turpitude. 12. Cases cited. Many cases might be cited. We give but one. A man who had contracted the disease reformed his ways and was apparently cured. He married, and although living a moral life was compelled to witness in his little girl's eyeballs, her gums and her breath the result of his past sins, no suffering, no expense, no effort would have been too great could he but be assured that his offspring might be freed from these results. 13. Prevention better than cure. Here is a case where the old adage, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, may be aptly applied. Our desire would be to herald to all young men in stentorian tones the advice, avoid as a deadly enemy any approaches or probable pitfalls of the disease. Let prevention be your motto and then you need not look for a cure. 14. Help proffered. Realizing the sad fact that many are afflicted with this disease we would put forth our utmost powers to help even these, and hence give on the following pages some of the best methods of cure. How to cure gonorrhea clap. Causes. Impure connections. Etc. Symptoms. As the disease first commences to manifest itself, the patient notices a slight itching at the point of the male organ which is shortly followed by a tingling or smarting sensation, especially on making water. This is on account of the inflammation, which now gradually extends backward, until the whole canal is involved. The orifice of the urethra is now noticed to be swollen and reddened, and on inspection a slight discharge will be found to be present, and if the penis is pressed between the finger and thumb, matter or pus exudes, as the inflammatory stage commences, the formation of pus is increased which changes from a thin to a thick yellow color, accompanied by a severe scalding on making water. The inflammation increases up to the fifth day, often causing such pain, on urinating, that the patient is tortured severely. When the disease reaches its height, the erections become somewhat painful. When the discharge may be streaked with blood, home treatment. First, see that the bowels are loose if not. A cathartic should be given. If the digestive powers are impaired, they should be corrected and the general health looked after. 
if the system is in a good condition, give internally five drops of gelsaminum every two hours. The first thing to be thought of is to pluck the disease in its blood, which is best done by injections. The best of these are, tinct, hydrastis, one dram, pure water, four ounces, to be used three times a day after urinating, zinc, sulfate, ten grains, pure water, eight ounces, to be used after urinating every morning and night. Equal parts of red wine and pure water are often used, and are of high repute, as also one grain of permanganate of potash to four ounces of water. If the above remedies are ineffectual, a competent physician should be consulted. General treatment. One of the best injections for a speedy cure is, hydrastis. One ounce water. Five ounces mix and with a small syringe inject into the penis four or five times a day after urinating, until relieved and diminish the number of injections as the disease disappears. No medicine per mouth need be given, unless the patient is in poor health. Syphilis pox. 1. This is the worst of all diseases except cancer. No tissue of the body escapes the ravages of this dreadful disease. Bone, muscle, teeth, skin and every part of the body are destroyed by its deforming and corroding influence. 2. Symptoms. About 8 days after the exposure a little redness and then a pimple which soon becomes an open sore, makes its appearance, on or about the end of the penis in males or on the external or inner parts of the uterus of females, pimples and sores soon multiply, and after a time little hard lumps appear in the groin, which soon develop into a blue tumor called bubo, copper colored spots may appear in the face, hair fall out, etc. Canker and ulcerations in the mouth and various parts of the body soon develop. 3. Treatment. Secure the very best physician your means will allow without delay. 4. Local treatment of bubos. To prevent suppuration, treatment must be instituted as soon as they appear. Compresses. Wet in a solution composed of half an ounce of muriate of ammonia, 3 drams of the fluid extract of belladonna, and a pint of water, are beneficial, and should be continuously applied. The tumor may be scattered by painting it once a day with tincture of iodine. 5. For eruptions. The treatment of these should be mainly constitutional. Perfect cleanliness should be observed, and the sulfur, spirit vapor, or alkaline bath freely used. Good diet and the persistent use of alteratives will generally prove successful in removing this complication. Recipe for syphilis. Deniodide of mercury. 1 gr. Extract of licorice. 32 gr. Make into 16 pills. Take one morning and night. Lotion. Bichloride of mercury. 15 gr, lime water, 1 point shake well, and wash affected parts night and morning, for eruptions on tongue, cyanide of silver, 1 to gr, powdered iridides, 2 gr, divide into 10 parts, to be rubbed on tongue once a day, for eruptions in syphilis, a 5% ointment of carbolic acid, in a good preparation, bubo, treatment, warm poultice of linseed meal, mercurial plaster, lead ointment, Gelidi chronic clap. 1. Symptoms. When gonorrhea is not cured at the end of 21 or 28 days, at which time all discharge should have ceased, we have a condition known as chronic clap, which is nothing more or less than bleed. At this time most of the symptoms have abetted, and the principal one needing medical attention is the discharge, which is generally thin, and often only noticed in the morning on arising, when a scab will be noticed, glutinating the lips of the external orifice or, on pressing with the thumb and finger from behind, forward, a thin, white discharge can be noticed, 2, home treatment, 
The diet of patients affected with this disease is all important, and should have careful attention. The things that should be avoided are highly spiced and stimulating foods and drinks, as all forms of alcohol, or those containing acids. Indulgence in impure thoughts is often sufficient to keep a discharge, on account of the excitement it produces to the sensitive organs, thus inducing erections, which always do harm. 3. General Treatment The best injection is, nitrate of silver, 1 4 grain pure water, 1 ounce inject 3 or 4 times a day after urinating. Stricture of the urethra. Symptoms. The patient experiences difficulty in voiding the urine. Several ineffectual efforts being made before it will flow. The stream is diminished in size, of a flattened or spiral form, or divided into or more parts, and does not flow with the usual force. Treatment. It is purely a surgical case and a competent surgeon must be consulted. Phimosis. 1. Cause. Is a morbid condition of the penis in which the gland's penis cannot be uncovered, either on account of a congenital smallness of the orifice of the foreskin, or it may be due to the acute stage of gonorrhea, or caused by the presence of soft chancre. 2. Symptoms. It is hardly necessary to give a description of the symptoms occurring in this condition, for it will be easily diagnosed, and its appearances are so indicative that all that is necessary is to study into its cause and treat the disease with reference to that. Treatment. If caused from acute gonorrhea, it should be treated first by hot fomentations, to subdue the swelling, when the gland's penis can be uncovered, if the result of the formation of chancre under the skin, they should be treated by a surgeon, for it may result in the sloughing off of the end of the penis, unless properly treated, illustration, illustrating magnetic influences, animal magnetism is supposed to radiate from and encircle every human being, animal magnetism what it is and how to use it. 1. Magnetism existing between the bodies of mankind. It is rational to believe that there is a magnetism existing between the bodies of mankind, which may have either a beneficial or a damaging effect upon our health, according to the conditions which are produced, or the nature of the individuals who are brought in contact with each other. As an illustration of this point we might consider that all nature is governed by the laws of attraction and repulsion, or in other words, by positive and negative forces, these subtle forces or laws in nature which we call attraction or repulsion, are governed by the affinity or sameness or the lack of affinity or sameness which exists between what may be termed the combination of atoms or molecules which goes to make up organic structure. 2. Law of Attraction Where this affinity or sameness exists between the different things, there is what we term the law of attraction, or what may be termed the disposition to unite together. Where there is no affinity existing between the nature of the different particles of matter, there is what may be termed the law of repulsion, which has a tendency to destroy the harmony which would otherwise take place. 3. Magnetism of the mind. Now, what is true of the magnet and steel, is also true from the sameness of their nature of two bodies, and what is true of the body in this sense, is also true of the sameness or magnetism of the mind. Hence, by the laying on of hands, or by the association of the minds of individuals, we reach the same result as when a combination is produced in any department of nature, where the sameness of affinity exists, there will be a blending of forces, which has a tendency to build up vitality, for, a proof, as a proof of this position, how often have you found the society of strangers to be so repulsive to your feelings, that you have no disposition to associate, others seem to bring with them a soothing influence that draws you closer to them, 
All these involuntary likes and dislikes are but the results of the animal magnetism that we are constantly throwing off from our bodies. Although seemingly imperceptible to our internal senses, the dog can scent his master, and determine the course which he pursues, no doubt from similar influences. 5. Home Harmony Many of the infirmities that afflict humanity are largely due to a want of an understanding of its principles, and the right applications of the same. I believe that if this law of magnetism was more fully understood and acted upon, there would be a far greater harmony in the domestic circle, the health of parents and children might often be preserved where now sickness and discord so frequently prevail. 6. The Law of Magnetism When two bodies are brought into contact with each other, the weak must naturally draw from the strong until both have become equal, and as long as this equality exists there will be perfect harmony between individuals, because of the reciprocation which exists in their nature. 7. Survival of the fittest. But if one should gain the advantage of the other in magnetic attraction, the chances are that through the law of development, or what has been termed the survival of the fittest, the stronger will rob the weaker until one becomes robust and healthy while the other grows weaker and weaker day by day. This frequently occurs with children sleeping together, also between husband and wife. 8. Sleeping with invalids. Healthy, hardy, vigorous person sleeping with a diseased person is always at a disadvantage. The consumptive patient will draw from the strong, until the consumptive person becomes the strong patient and the strong person will become the consumptive. There are many cases on record to prove this statement. A well person should never sleep with an invalid if he desires to keep his health unimpaired, for the weak will take from the strong, until the strong becomes the weak and the weak the strong. Many a husband has died from a lingering disease which saved his wife from an early grave. He took the disease from his wife because he was the stronger, and she became better and he perished. 9. Husband and Wife It is not always wise that husband and wife should sleep together nor that children whose temperament does not harmonize should be compelled to sleep in the same bed. By the same law it is wrong for the young to sleep with old persons. Some have slept in the same bed with persons, when in the morning they have gotten up seemingly more tired than when they went to bed. At other times with different persons, they have lain awake to thirds of the night in pleasant conversation and have gotten up in the morning without scarcely realizing that they had been to sleep at all, yet have felt perfectly rested and refreshed. 10. Magnetic Healing OR what has been known as the laying on of hands. A nervous prostration is a negative condition beneath the natural. By the laying on of hands a person in a good, healthy condition is capable of communicating to the necessity of the weak. For the negative condition of the patient will as naturally draw from the strong, as the lodestone draws from the magnet, until both become equally charged. And as fevers are a positive condition of the system, beyond the natural, the normal condition of the healer will, by the laying on of the hands, absorb these positive atoms, until the fever of the patient becomes reduced or cured. As a proof of this the magnetic healer often finds himself or herself prostrated after treating the weak, and excited or feverish after treating a feverish patient. How to read character. How to tell disposition and character by the nose. 1. Large noses. Bonaparte chose large-nosed men for his generals and the opinion prevails that large noses indicate long heads and strong minds, not that great noses cause great minds, but that the motive or powerful temperament cause both. 2. Flat noses. Flat noses indicate flatness of mind and character, by indicating a poor, low organic structure. 3. Broad noses. 
Broad noses indicate large passageways to the lungs, and this, large lungs and vital organs and this, great strength of constitution, and hardy animal passions along with selfishness, for broad noses, broad shoulders, broad heads, and large animal organs go together, but when the nose is narrow at the base, the nostrils are small, because the lungs are small and need but small avenues for air, and this indicates a predisposition to consumptive complaints, along with an active brain and nervous system, and a passionate fondness for literary pursuits. 4. Sharp noses. Sharp noses indicate a quick, clear, penetrating, searching, knowing, sagacious mind, and also a scold, indicate warmth of love, hate, generosity, moral sentiment indeed, positiveness in everything. 5. Blunt noses. Blunt noses indicate and accompany obtuse intellects and perceptions, sluggish feelings, and a soulless character. 6. Roman noses. The Roman nose indicates a martial spirit, love of debate, resistance, and strong passions, while hollow. Pug noses indicate a tame, easy, inert, slight character, and straight, finely formed Grecian noses harmonious characters. Seek their acquaintance, disposition and character by stature. 1. Tall persons. Tall persons have high heads, and are aspiring, aim high, and seek conspicuousness, while short ones have flat heads, and seek the lower forms of worldly pleasures. Tall persons are rarely mean, though often grasping, but very penurious persons are often broad-built. 2. Small persons. Small persons generally have exquisite mentalities, yet less power the more precious the article, the smaller the package in which it is done up while great men are rarely dwarfs, though great size often company exists with sluggishness, disposition and character by the walk. 1. Awkward. Those whose motions are awkward yet easy, possess much efficiency and positiveness of character, yet lack polish, and just in proportion as they become refined in mind will their movements be correspondingly improved. A short and quick step indicates a brisk and active but rather contracted mind. Whereas those who take long steps generally have long heads, yet if the step is slow, they will make comparatively little progress, while those whose step is long and quick will accomplish proportionately much, and pass most of their competitors on the highway of life. 2. A dragging step. Those who slough for drag their heels, drag and drawl in everything, while those who walk with a springing, bouncing step, abound in mental snap and spring. Those whose walk is mincing, affected and artificial, rarely, if ever, accomplish much, whereas those who walk carelessly, that island naturally, are just what they appear to be, and put on nothing for outside show. 3. The different modes of walking. In short, every individual has his own peculiar mode of moving, which exactly accords with his mental character, so that, as far as you can see such modes, you can decipher such outlines of character, the disposition and character by laughing. One. Laughter expressive of character. Laughter is very expressive of character. Those who laugh very heartily have much cordiality and whole-souledness of character, except that those who laugh heartily at trifles have much feeling, yet little sense. Those whose giggles are rapid but light, have much intensity of feeling, yet lack power, whereas those who combine rapidity with force in laughing, combi, 